Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. For over 40 years, Jacob Lieberman has been investigating the relationship between light, vision, and consciousness. Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman is a pioneer in the fields of light, vision, and consciousness, and author of Luminous Life, How the Science of Life Unlocks the Art of Living. On our show today, he shares his scientific and spiritual discoveries about light as the divine spark that guides our life's journey, entwining us with the unseen architect of all that is. On our second interview here with Dr. Lieberman, I am so honored to share time with this amazing individual who has truly brought so much love, so much light to this world, and so much light to my own personal journey. He joins us tonight to share that light with you. Welcome to The Spark. I'm your host, Stephanie James. Welcome, Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman, to The Spark. It is great to be with you today. It's been great to be with you every opportunity that I've had. And so thank you so much for showing up this morning. And you're there with a beautiful rainbow in the sky in Maui. Yeah, it's just fabulous. It's such like such a nice sign that we're just where we need to be. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know that we had some things that we weren't able to cover in our first interview. And some of that had to do with color and understanding how color plays a part in our lives and really coming to a place where we are able to integrate all of those colors. So first of all, color is something within our perception. The original thought is it's something out there in the environment and everyone knows what red is and so everyone responds to to red in supposedly the same way. And so we had these cookbook approaches that basically said this color did this and this color did that and so on. But color is a perceptual phenomenon. It's something that we experience, it's a transmutation of energy into something that we call a picture or visual experience. So color is actually energy and it's the different colors are the different wavelengths of energy, different oscillations, if you will, of what we call the spectrum known as light and light is invisible. And so what we experience as color is actually, these are just invisible vibrations that when they interact with our perceptual systems and what we call the mind and brain, magic happens and we see this technicolor world. So when you ask a lot of people their response to a certain color, you immediately are shocked by the fact that all of them respond differently. And then you realize 
that color is not an objective reality. It's actually a reflection of our innermost terrain. It's essentially our relationship, each color, with a vibrational counterpart of what we call the life's experience. So let's talk a little bit about vibration a little bit more because when you ask physicists about the nature of reality, they say even though everything looks solid, it's actually vibratory in nature. And so it's just a series of different vibrations or energies. If you ask them to define this energy, the top physicists will tell you the most fundamental energy is called light. And so when we're dealing with color, we're dealing with different portions or different energies within the spectrum of light. Now, why am I taking the time to share this with you? Because even though we often hear, oh, reality is just energy, everybody says that, every new age person says that. What the hell does that actually mean is yeah. the question. And so let's take a moment to be able to see that in a way that everyone can understand it. Most of our listeners today have connected with someone where they just felt in sync. If you really feel in sync, sometimes we say, God, I, I'm just in love with that person. But essentially, when two individuals or an individual and an experience are harmoniously interacting, something very magical occurs. And it's essentially the same thing that occurs when we come out of our mothers at the time of birth. We are temporarily separated, and then the baby is brought to the mother. And when they get within a certain physical proximity, the vibrations that each of their hearts is emitting superimpose because the mother and child are inseparable, you could say. One is an extension of the other. So you could say they, they have the same natural energetic signature or fingerprint. When they get within a certain distance of each other, those two energies or vibrations are so similar that they become one. And when oneness happens, everything expands. It's not a series of drops of water, it's an ocean. It's much bigger, much more powerful, much more expansive. And so the same thing that happens that we call bonding, and keep in mind that bonding creates a foundation for everything each of us is yearning. Connection, oneness, love, and we spend our entire lives looking for those connections. And this is why we say birds of a feather flock together. So whenever we connect with a situation or a person, and this is also true for physical objects, 
and the vibrations that they are emitting are similar, very close, they superimpose and they become a much bigger vibration. Now, in human beings, when that happens, and scientists will say, well, that's a function of limbic resonance, our emotional systems are vibrating at the same rhythm, if you will, we enter a state called harmony, which we call love. And when that happens, something magical occurs. We seem to almost disappear as separate beings. We merge and something takes over. We feel better. It seems as though all our troubles are forgotten at that moment. Everything is just, the mind is emptied. Presence is in its optimal manifestation. And then there's a power of love. And I have always said that love is the answer regardless the question. What's really interesting is when we encounter aspects of life that are disharmonious, the opposite occurs. Our natural state is diminished rather than enhanced. And we become aware of physical issues, emotional concerns or worries. In actuality, the first state supports wellness, which is contagious. And the second stage supports illness, which we say almost 90, 92% is related or directly caused by stress. Of course, most people don't know what stress is. But stress for me is when we encounter something in life we're allergic to. And we have an allergic reaction with physical and psycho-emotional symptomatology that occurs. So it's interesting that when two similar energies merge, everything expands. You could say that consciousness expands, which it does. Awareness expands. Sensitivity expands. And all of that other stuff that typically worries us disappears. So you could say that that's the potion or the potion that leads the way to wellness on every level. And when that isn't there, it doesn't happen. Now, why is that important? Because when we, you know, you're a psychologist or a therapist, and people find you. Now, they don't find you because they're just looking through the yellow pages. They find you because someone that they trust says something or they intuitively feel something when they Google your name, and then they come to you, and then something invisible occurs that is not a physical thing, it's an energetic thing. And they feel at home with you. And interestingly enough, you also feel at home with them. And while neither one of you is looking, the limbic resonance that magically and magnetically brought you together now starts to work in such a way that their vibrations comfort your physiology and vice versa, and the limbic resonance becomes 
limbic regulation. We just feel better when we're together. And then over time, limbic regulation leads to limbic transformation, which is essentially, I have a totally new sense of what love and connection is. And then we say, and the patient got well. Right, right. So this is the process of healing. Well, and I want to I want to say to you, you know, th- that is definitely one of my experiences. I cannot begin to tell you how many people come into my office and say, "I feel like I was divinely guided here." Right. So you are right. directly speaking to that, and that when we're together, there is this sense of love, and that that is a transformative healing power that takes over that session, that time that we're together. Yeah, it is. It's like that conduit, like we've talked about before, becoming that conduit of love that actually does the work. So I don't have to be in my head analyzing or thinking about the appropriate thing to say. I just have to be the conduit to allow that love and that healing energy to come in. The fascinating piece of this, Stephanie, is that this may in fact be by far, by far the most significant aspect of healing. Because, you see, when I went to school, science was different. What was taught to me was what worked. You did this because it worked. It had empirical results. At some point, we stopped trusting what works, and we started trusting what had gone through a five-star rated, peer-reviewed, controlled, blind study. But what actually happens when you question the credibility of something? The moment you question it, you significantly diminish its impact. So if you take two people that get to each other and however they get to each other, and you include their beliefs and everything about them that makes them human, and one is trying to assist the other, To resolve some identified problem, a patient comes to you with fear. What's interesting about that is on average, you get an 80% success rate. However, when we say, well, we really need to figure out what's the mechanism of action because we are working with something that we say has to be evidence-based. So now we add a control, any sort of control we want, We retest and we realize that that 80% success rate on average now drops to 48%. And then we say, well, to be clear, we need to add randomization. In other words, nobody's going to know who's actually getting to work, you know, to get the actual treatment and who's getting something else or no treatment. And then your results drop to 32%. And then we say, well, we need to add a placebo. And we don't want anyone to really know. So the pills will look exactly the same. The treatment will look identical. And then your 80% gets down to just about zero. So then you ask the question, well, what the hell is the healing ingredient? And you begin to realize that it's some sort of a mind-body interaction that is a direct result of our relationship. Wow. 
So now let's come back. Now that we've set that as a foundation, let's come back to your initial question. What does color have to do with this? Yeah. Well, I discovered something profound years ago, and it had to do with the fact that everyone responded differently to what we thought was the same color. And when they began to share the things that visualizing that color or looking at something that they perceived as that color, when we began to notice what that elicited, not only was it significantly different with everyone, but the color, which is actually a vibration, was awakening a certain portion of that person's life was bringing it up into their awareness. And what they got to notice is, was this a pleasant experience or a pleasant recollection? Or was this an experience that made me want to recoil? And so I very quickly found out, and then after doing this tens of thousands of times, I realized the colors were comfortable with are vibrationally the foundation of our interactions that we resonate with, that cause that, that expansion, if you will. And the colors we're uncomfortable with, they are the vibrational equivalent of the disharmonious experiences and interactions, not only in our lifetime, but those that occurred to our ancestors that have been genetically transmitted to us that we're totally even unaware of. Sometimes people say, oh, that was a past life experience. Well, I don't know for sure whether that is or it isn't regardless of what I've experienced. Let's just say it's an ancestral pass down. Something is going on. So then Years ago, when I discovered this, I said, well, I just have to give somebody the colors they're uncomfortable with. It'll bring up all of their, quote, stuff, and then we can just bring it to light and it'll be gone. Well, I discovered rather quickly that no one enjoys the sledgehammer approach, that no one wants to be uncomfortable or confronted by things that were frightening for them. And, you know, there's a law in physiology called Arndt's Law of Physiology that says subtle stimuli awaken, moderate ones support, and strong ones shut down. And so all of these confrontive techniques and so on that all of us have played with, I didn't really find that they brought me to where ultimately or brought the patient to where I thought would be really helpful. So now I like to work in terms of homeopathic principles. What's the least amount that will allow something to happen in a way that is by invitation rather than by confrontation? So I look at a person's response to color and not only do I notice which colors they're, they connect with, resonate with, and which ones they seem to be allergic to, then when I ask them to scan their body from the toes to their heads and just 
share with me areas of their body that they have injured or had infections or surgeries or places in their body where, gee, I seem to hold my stress there. And they don't have to be exactly specific, but just the areas of the body. And when I began doing this 30, 40 years ago, I discovered something empirically that was fascinating. The colors that they seem to be allergic to seem to correspond to the chakras that were associated with those colors. And when I first read about chakras and the colors associated with them, you know, it was an interesting theory, but I couldn't find anything scientific to back that up. So I really didn't, didn't use it much. But then when I started doing these visualizations, I uncovered through my own direct experience that there was a relationship and it was a significant one. Like yeah. this new age. I mean, I think that's yeah. one of the things, you know, people associate with the chakras and, and right. the colors that maybe it's new age, but that literally it yeah. is these colors where these energies are being held in these energy centers and they're connected to vibrations and they're connected to emotions. Right. And, and it makes total sense to me now because I know that every physiological function is light dependent. And so because light has a spectrum of vibrations that comprise it, each of those vibrations ends up being the guidance or nutrient for certain functions of the body. So now it makes sense to me scientifically, and before it, it was just sort of a clinical observation that was like, wow, this is really, really fascinating. When I first shared this, people thought I was totally nuts. Now they're beginning to realize, oh, there's something to this. And so first I noticed this relationship, and what was beautiful about that is that in taking a client or a patient through this process, they uncover this relationship at the same time I do. There's not a whole lot to say. It's almost like, wow, that's interesting. I've never even considered this. And so what's important about that is that awareness is curative, and it is important that the person's own direct experience rather than, oh, just another good idea, that direct experience is really meaningful. That carries a lot of weight because that's what we know by heart. It's not what we read or what some, you know, uh, best-selling author tells us. This is something I experience. It's you can't refute it. I know that this is what it was. So there's benefit in that process. And, and then what I do is I find a way of very subtly introducing this to the individual. How do I do that? Well, I discovered many, many, many years ago, in the 70s actually, that when people were stressed, when they were worried, when they were trying hard, something interesting occurred. What we call the respiratory cycle, which most of us know as breathing, 
constricted. And you know as a practitioner that when your patients are under stress, sometimes they hyperventilate, but very often they said, God, you know, it's hard breathing. I feel a shortness of breath, especially those that are having panic attacks and things such as that. So I discovered that this is this restriction doesn't just occur when we're frightened of something emotional or some real experience. Every time we work on things, every time we think ahead, the breathing becomes very shallow, clavicular breathing, or is halted altogether. And this breathing cycle is what nourishes expansion because it's not something we're doing consciously. It's something that is occurring to us as an entrainment from the intelligence of this universe because it's occurring everywhere. Anything that we are engaged in that restricts that restricts our life. So why is that important? When I introduce colors now to people, and I do it in a very interesting way, I developed a kit that has 13 pairs of glasses each, which I've designed with different wavelengths that they allow through. And I ask the person to put it on, and you can do this through visualization. I've done this in Luminous Life. I share it as a visualization so people can get a, a sense of what I'm talking about. But when they use it at home and they put the glasses on, I just instruct them to notice how it impacts their breathing. Can they easily breathe this experience in or is it difficult? And I have them just notice which is easy and which is not so easy. And then I have them go through the whole sequence of different portions of the spectrum, each day two or three of them, very gently and over time increasing the number of breaths as the system naturally opens. How does that happen? You know that sometimes you've seen movies and there's a courtroom scene, and the one of the attorneys says something to the jury that they know they shouldn't say, but they say it anyway, and the judge says, strike that from the record. The problem is there is no way to strike it from the record once it's imprinted itself in the mind. So when things occur in our life, even if they're just for a second, it imprints us. And if it is something that occurs at a time that we are unable to digest and assimilate this experience. See, normally when we eat food, we ingest, digest, assimilate, and excrete. And when we experience life, something similar, I imagine, occurs. Unless we eat something or we experience something and then realize, uh-oh, something's wrong here. And when that happens, the whole system of digestion and assimilation can't occur, and the body does what it can to encapsulate this trauma or this toxic thing, 
And then it sequesters it. And it sequesters it in the soma, in the entire body, as well as in the mind. And the only time it comes out of hiding is when life provides us a new experience that has the same vibratory rate. And then it homeopathically brings it to the surface again, so it has an opportunity to be released. So when a person is looking through a colored filter or visualizing a color that has the same vibration as something that has occurred, it gently awakens it. It gently loosens it up from its hiding place. And when it does that, it's like, it's like a homeopathic plumber's helper that you put into your sink. It loosens the clog up and it starts to move. And so we just add a little bit more, just a tiny amount, just enough to invite the process until it loosens up, moves out of the way, and then literally dissipates like the bubbles of being released from an aqua lung of a, of a diver under the water. The bubbles come to the surface and then poof, they're gone. So I use color in a very gentle way to help open up the system. And what people typically notice or very often is they say, you know, they first look at a color that they're uncomfortable with and they say, gee, it seems very dark to me. Yeah. And then when things begin to loosen, they say, I notice things are much brighter now. And the reason is that they're literally absorbing more light. It's literally being allowed to get in right now. What's important about that light is that all of our functions are literally nourished by high octane energy called light. Every function of the body. So when more light gets in, all of a sudden it's like a tune up. Everything in your body is working better and everything in your life is working better. And having been involved in this use of color for 40 years or so now, more than that, I find it just fascinating. It's just common sense to me, which for me is my brand of science. I'm only interested in one thing. Does it support the individual in regaining their life so that they no longer need me or color or anything else their life becomes their instructor their opportunity so that's essentially a long answer to um to a short question and um and now I introduce this to people. I've created a very simple kit. It's called the Spectral Receptivity System. And it allows someone to do this in the comforts of their home. And what's nice about it is now therapists, different types of wellness practitioners are now using them to give their clients or patients as a support for the wonderful work that they're doing because it just seems to support whatever it is that you're doing. And so it's a, it's a nice little gift.
Hi, I'm Dr. Natalie Phillips, host of Connecting a Better World, and every Monday on the show, we take time to spotlight individuals, businesses, and organizations doing good in this world with thought-provoking interviews designed to focus on the impact they are making in our community. Listen live every Monday at 7 p.m. Mountain, 9 p.m. Eastern, only on NOCO FM, and subscribe to the podcast at noco.fm or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, this is Sydney with Talk and Roll, NOCO FM's bi-weekly D&D show where myself and three other goofy goobers play Dungeons and Dragons. You can listen to Talk and Roll every other Saturday night at 7pm, first on noco.fm, or Sunday mornings wherever podcasts are found. Will you enjoy the show? Let's roll for it. Actually roll for it. Do it. 12. Nice. You're gonna like it. I think. If I may share with you, the, the gift also in your book, Luminous Life, and I just practiced this actually last week, the color dome visualization, right. that's yeah. the tool that you use as visualization where you bring these colors, right, yeah. into the dome and very gently, it's, it's like this very beautiful, kind, gentle way of bringing right. that color in and imagining you're in this dome where the light starts to come in and then you can increase the color. Right. So I wanted to share with you that my experience of doing that, it was very interesting because I could see the color red out externally from me and appreciate right. it. Yeah. When I was in the dome, however, and started putting the red light on, exactly what you said, what you just mentioned, started happening. My breath became constricted. I started feeling uncomfortable. And interestingly enough, then when you related it, when I was listening later on to like, where have you had surgery? Where have you had these different things happen? It was exactly in that chakra center hmm. where the red light or the red color emanates from. Yeah. It was such a powerful visualization from me. And I felt that as I continued to go through the colors and then gradually through this last week, I would increase sitting in that red color which right. really was the only color I was having some difficulty with, Right. I really did feel that energy shift and move. And even in talking to you, as I'm listening to you, I'm having this yeah. warmth spread <laughs> from, from that area of my body, like that I've somehow come to peace, more peace and opened up to the flow of that energy. Yeah, you know, it, because the first chakra deals with our survival, it's... It's very, very much at our core. Uh, so many things around our survival are emitted from that area of our being. And so because a lot of people have sensitivity around that area, what I did is I, I created a, I have a red in the kit, but I also have a very, very muted color called ruby. And it's a very, very narrow band red. So rather than being a very powerful wavelength of red, it's like a, an incredibly thin acupuncture needle that 
is so thin that when it goes in, you don't feel it. And so the whole idea is how do I introduce this in such a way that doesn't disturb to a level that the person feels overwhelmed, but allows something to open so that the person can gain a confidence in that, oh, it didn't kill me. I'm actually able to be with this. And then something called an authentic trust begins to just live within us, and that becomes something that's growing. What was growing before was the fear of, gosh, I I don't think I can survive that experience again, if I'm aware of what it is. And now what begins to grow is my sense of, oh, I'm actually okay. I'm actually okay. And it's really, really profound, not only the psycho-emotional expansion that people notice from this, but their body literally begins to function better in that area. And I have seen all kinds of things over the years from from female patients that were not able to become pregnant, all of a sudden they become pregnant. I mean, after years of doing a million different things or something was going on in their reproductive system, and all of a sudden things begin to function in a very, very different way. So I'm not suggesting that this is a treatment for disease, However, what I am suggesting is if you optimize the energy flow within the body, it must impact the functioning of the body. How it does that, I don't know exactly. I don't have any recipe that you use it for this. I don't work that way at all. The body has an intelligence that is so far beyond anything we can imagine mentally that we really don't know how it works at all. We have all kinds of theories, but the theories, as you know, change from year to year because they're ideas rather than truth. So what's really important to me is the direct experience, something the individual can do and notice for themselves what actually occurs. And uh, I, I love the opportunity to, to work in that way and, and the letters that I've gotten from people and so on. And um, uh, in fact, a, a major woman's magazine contacted me a couple of months ago because they saw that, Somewhere or another, their editorial staff got, somebody in their editorial staff got a copy of the book, and then they shared it with everyone in their editorial, and they were all women because this is a major woman's publication, and they really resonated with it, and so they contacted me, and I thought they wanted to interview me, but what they actually wanted was to speak to women I had worked with. And so I I don't know exactly what will happen with this, but I gave them the name of women that I was working with currently. And I, you know, got their okay, you know, to do that. And they've interviewed several of them. And it's interesting because I don't know exactly what went on in those interviews, but 
I love that possibility of people sharing their experience, realizing that just as the creation of dis-ease is multifactorial, so is the process of healing multifactorial. We don't know all the things that occur. We just don't know. And I remember many years ago when I lived in Aspen, I was doing one of my 10-day retreats, residential retreats, and um, one of the people that I'd invited there was a homeopathic physician, and I woke up that morning with a vision, and I said, do you have any of the homeopathic pellets before the remedy is actually put into them? He says, oh, you have a, a little jar of this. I said, well, could I have some? So he poured some in, and I went into the group that morning, and I said, I said, do you know what this is? And they said, no. I said, this is a homeopathic remedy. And they said, really? And I said, yes. And the remedy is infinite. It's not focused on anything. It just includes everything. I said, now, what's interesting about this remedy is that it has the potential to cause you to forget everything about yourself, to forget whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're Christian or Muslim or Jewish, whether you have an illness. And I said, what would happen if you forgot all that? What would happen if you forgot everything you thought was wrong with you or everything you thought was right with you? What if you didn't know if you were a man or a woman? Would your love of life and the world be different? What would happen if you didn't have beliefs associated with a specific view of religion or spirituality. Would everyone become godlike then? And people found it fascinating, the possibility of something that could cause us to fall in love unconditionally with life again. And that's where I really feel the, the real freedom is at, is when there's less... I like this and I don't like this, and more just a general openness and an invitation to move towards something or maybe not to move towards something, but not because that thing out there is good or bad, I like it or I don't, but because we tune into the internal GPS, which is our guidance, and the internal GPS says, hmm, this is nice, even though it doesn't verbally say anything. And so some part of you just says yes to that good feeling. Or the GPS says, you know, this is not the right direction. And so then some part of you says yes to your no. So it's not about saying yes and no to the external world. It's about always saying yes to the guidance of your guidance system. And then your system lets you know whether it is appropriate to consume animal products or whether it is appropriate for you to have a vegetable-based diet. It's not because it's a good idea. It's because... This is what my system resonates with. And that allows 
for our individual differences. Not our mental preferences, but our individual differences, which is very different from the mind's ideas of what's good and bad. Totally different experience of life itself. And my sense is that it really impacts everything about our wellness on every level. And when you said again, that we return to this state again, it is this childlike <laughs> baby, like when we're born. Right. We don't have these preferences when we're born. We're pure right. essence. Yeah, and this is why Sigmund Freud so eloquently said that an infant lives in oceanic bliss, an ocean of bliss. An ocean is infinite because none of that actually exists. And all of us are born in a natural a state, whatever is natural. And then when we encounter the rules and regulations, what we call the beliefs of the culture, then natural is confronted by normal. We all want to be normal, but most of what's normal is actually not natural. And so our natural, most of the time, our natural state of wellness is then compromised by trying to be squeezed into um, a container that we call normal. You know, uh, in the old days of theater, Shakespeare and so on, before they had elaborate costumes and so on, each person, the role they were playing, they would do that by having a little mask that went over their eyes. And usually there was a little rod or a stick attached to it so they could hold it up. And that was the, their persona, their personality. That's who they were appearing to be, but that isn't who they are. Who they are is the real definition of persona, which is not our image in the world, it comes from the word personare, which means to peer through, to sound through. In other words, it's our essence that is looking through the persona. That's what's really there. And that's really what my life's work has been all about, is how to get free of as much of that as is possible to have a luminous life, you know, to have a life that that has more light in it, that is lighter, not so heavy, if you will. And this is a very important time for this right now because I don't think there's ever been a time in history where we've had so much havoc throughout the world. And in America, what we're experiencing now is secondary to nothing we've ever seen before. And most of us, are walking around with extreme tenseness. We just can't imagine because what we're seeing happen is so, so opposed to what is natural that we don't know how to assimilate that. And it's making us sick. So this is a really important time for all of us to get in touch with our own guidance, our own what we call intuition, which is really just our response to those subtle light signals. What is that that's moving us? And hang out with those you feel at home with. I always used to say to physicians, 
don't work with anyone that you don't love because if you enter into a situation just because it's a good financial thing or it's just more work, it's not optimal for either party. And it must me it must be a connection made in heaven, if you will, for it to have the potential of all these non-specific factors to have their profound impact. What more? I just think what you just said is so beautiful. And I think that is the message. Mm, thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, uh, I'm so grateful that we had this time. What I know is that a powerful question comes to us from a source of infinite power, and the powerful answer comes from the same source. But that good question is what elicits these profound kinds of answers that we individually don't have. But it is known to something, and it funnels through us, and it makes for joyous, delicious, nourishing conversation that makes our life just work and so on. So, yeah, so I'm really grateful for, uh, for this time. And I don't, I almost never listen to interviews or watch videos of interviews that I've been involved in because they're all live. How, where they occur from, I don't know. But each one is the foundation for whatever follows. So it keeps expanding. So anything that I look at, it, oh, it's sort of like old news on some level. But some part of me wants to listen to this one because I just have a feeling there that something was captured there. And I perhaps it'll impact me in a nice way as well. Well, I know that you have impacted my life so much, Jacob. And Thank I am you. Thank you. so deeply grateful. And I almost feel tears of joy for being able mm. to, Thank to you. share I feel this the time same with way. you. I feel so good. I might take myself out to breakfast to where you and I went. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I wish I could be sitting there with you in, in physical form, but I will be, you will be. with you in, in paella, in spirit. Thank you. Thankful for this connection, Jacob, and for all the light that you share with all of us. Thank you, and have an incredibly wonderful holiday season. It's a wonderful time to give. And, and we should be giving every day of our lives. So thank you for the opportunity. Heart to heart. Heart to heart. When I have spoken to Dr. Jacob Israel Lieberman, Time has always seemed to take on just an absolutely different meaning. Being in his presence, there really are no words. I, I don't think there have been interviews where I feel more like I want to sit back and just absolutely absorb all the light that he shares. I think it is so important as we look at the ways that we can truly heal within ourselves and to be truly on a path, willing to do the work that allows us, and it's not even work, that's the wrong word. I think as we have intention and we bring 
this healing to ourselves and we work on our own energetic healing. And one of the pathways, one of the tools is through just doing this work within yourself. So it's, it's healing in whatever ways we can. We can heal through meditation, through mindfulness. We might get a different level of emotional healing through a therapist. Maybe it's body work, massage work, yoga. Maybe it's just exercise, being in touch with nature. There's so many different ways to heal. The thing that has always resonated with me so deeply as we do this work, and I love this, the chakras and those, or the practice of Qigong, those practices have been around for thousands of years. And so what we're doing is we're tapping into ancestral wisdom, we're tapping into our own inner wisdom, our own inner GPS system to help guide us towards healing and wholeness and knowing that that is possible for each one of us. The world now needs more than ever each one of our individual lights. So together we can shine in a collective consciousness that helps to change and heal this world. I truly believe the age of enlightenment and the age of awareness is coming and it is here for us to begin our journeys into. If we can come back to that place as he was saying, as an infant in oceanic bliss, where there is no separate, there's no other in this universe, in this connected place where we can bring healing to ourselves and collectively to this world. Remember, The Spark is your show too. If you have questions, feedback on the show, or if you're going through something and need a little help, we'd love to hear from you. Continue the conversation with us at our website, thesparkpod.com and on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. New episodes of The Spark air Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Mountain. To make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, or wherever you get your podcasts. The show is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional and should not be considered medical advice. If you're having a mental or physical health crisis, please seek treatment immediately. The Spark is produced by NOCO Media Limited, which is solely responsible for its content. Thanks again for listening. This has been The Spark, igniting your best life. I'm Stephanie James. This has been a production of NOCO FM.